our site had gotten to this point where it was a little bit unruly. There were lots of nested levels of docks and it was hard to find things and there were things that were redundant. So one of my first big projects when I started was figuring out how do we reorganize all of our content basically so that it's easy to find things and also just so that you have a better mental picture when you're looking at the docs, like what's in here and where might I find what I'm looking for. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Megan. Megan, what's up? Hello. Not much. Hanging in there. It's COVID times. <laughs> and I was totally looking for the Zoom window to see your last name because I scrolled <laughs> down far enough to not see your last name. No so problem. Megan Sullivan, for, <laughs> for anybody who is wondering who Megan is. But anyway, Megan, uh, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> Yeah, so my name is Megan Sullivan, and I am a senior software developer at Gatsby right now. I'm specifically focused on documentation. That's like part of my title. Before that, I was a software developer consultant at a company called ThoughtWorks. And before that, I was an educator. So working mostly in CS education, doing like curriculum development and writing, writing learning things. <laughs> Was that at um, like a grade school level, high school level? Like what level of education? A little bit of both. I when I started out, I was doing an AmeriCorps program called City Year, so I was working in a third grade classroom, doing like in classroom support and teaching them to code was sort of something I did for fun, like on our lunch breaks. Uh, I would just like bring a couple of them upstairs, and they would play coding games on my iPad, and we would like talk about variables and loops and things. And then after that AmeriCorps program was over, then I worked as, I interned at Code.org, and they do like K through 12 curriculum. So I was working more on high school age stuff. And then after that, I went to work at a nonprofit called Girls Who Code, and they focus mostly on middle and high school girls, but they also have some like books for like little kids too. They, they kind of are doing the whole age range. So I've got a little bit of experience in a lot of different age groups. <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you mentioned AmeriCorps. Like you literally took a tour through all these different education things. So, uh, and then the, I, I'm sure everybody's wondering: Did you teach Obama how to code too, as well? Oh no, God, that would be amazing. I was not. I was not one of those people. Although he did do. I think that there's a video somewhere of him doing like the Hour of Code curriculum, which was the same curriculum that I was using to teach my my third graders. So. They've done stuff Obama's done. I listened to um, an interview of the person, I guess, who started Code.org, or someone who was in the early days, had that experience of getting Obama to do the Hour of Code, uh, which is how I remember the reference. But like in the picture, there's, I guess, they had like a laptop and they had to cover up the Apple logo. Oh, <laughs> so they put the Code.org uh, sticker on it nice. because it wasn't actually Code.org branded that that event. Uh, it was the Hour of Code brand that they were sort of talking about. And then now everybody associated with that event with that because of the sticker on the laptop. Oh, but nice. I forgot what podcast I was listening to about that. And uh, <laughs> we are going like, off the rails <laughs> and sort of hearing your, your story too as well. But I wanted to get into what you do at Gatsby. But before, I wanted to pick more of your story out and try to figure out 
you taught code in sort of the CS realm, but I'm curious, did you get a CS degree or did you specifically go to school to learn how to do that? Yeah, I did. I, I had never really coded before college. I, I, I had a MySpace, I'm dating myself, uh, <laughs> but I had a MySpace and I learned how to like customize my MySpace profile via like an, I think it was a Neopets HTML tutorial that they had online. So yes, a lot of pop culture references. Um, yeah, all of them that I get. So you might be dating me as well. There we go. <laughs> See, so we're in the same demographic. So I had never like built a full program on my own until college. But then when I was in college, you know, college curriculum are are they're not always super engaging. It's it's kind of dry. Yeah. Like I was learning how to do stuff, but I was really struggling with the content because it wasn't taught in a way that was super relatable, but also with just sort of identifying as a developer. Cause you know, all of my professors were like old men and I didn't really see anybody who looked like me or who was even doing stuff that I was really interested in. So I, by the time that I graduated from college, I was, I was really just feeling like, this isn't for me. I don't want to be like a code monkey. I remember that phrase being in my brain. Like, I don't want to just be somebody who sits in a room and codes in the dark and doesn't ever do anything like meaningful. For context, you you are in a room. Yes, I am. In <laughs> but a room. The, the light is and on, though. That's true. That's true. I don't have a hoodie on. <laughs> and so then, like teaching third graders how to code and seeing how excited that they got made programming be something that was fun. It was the first time that I had seen them really get excited about loops. And one of the things that we added into the curriculum when I was at Girls Who Code, we wanted to try and highlight role models uh, who were doing cool things with technology to improve their communities and have an impact on the world. And so we wrote a lot of these women in tech spotlights to showcase those kinds of cool projects that people were building. And in the process of researching those and seeing all of the different applications and industries and just things that you could do with tech, it really inspired me to be like, oh, you don't just have to work at a fang company. Like you can do something that's more on the ground, like has a more direct effect on people's lives. Okay, excellent. And I'm curious to see if that excitement sort of transcended into what you're doing today, working with docs. You had mentioned you're a senior software engineer, but your primary focus is a docs code. So can you talk about like what part of Gatsby do you touch and how that sort of encompasses in that that title? Yeah, totally. So there's there's kind of two main things that I focus on. One is like reviewing documentation pull requests. So our internal engineers, they'll be working on a new feature and it'll be ready to go out into the world, but we need to tell people what it is and why they care about it and how do they use it. And so I'll help review those kinds of things for kind of like the structure of the documents and also just like, are we including enough context so that somebody who's new to this feature understands what the use case is and like why it's cool. And then there's also this sort of bigger picture piece of like the docs as a whole, like what do we want our docs experience to look like overall? So within the last couple of months, we recently launched a new like reorganized version of our docs site. So it's a pretty big overhaul from the last version, 
Because we just got to this point where we realized we have all of this documentation that has grown really organically as we've gotten more contributions from the community and added new features. But our, our site had gotten to this point where it was a little bit unruly. It, there were lots of nested levels of docs and it was hard to find things and there were things that were redundant. So one of my first big projects when I started was figuring out how do we reorganize all of our content basically so that it's easy to find things and also just so that you have a better mental picture when you're looking at the docs, like what, what's in here and where might I find what I'm looking for. Okay, excellent. And it, it sounds like you, y'all shipped that in November. Uh, it's already out and live. People can see this. Yes, I think it was December. It was like right before the holiday break. Yeah. It was a little bit like, okay, we're sending it out into the world and I hope that it works because I'm going on vacation. <laughs> excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I was just looking at the, uh, I'm looking at Gatsby's docs now and the, uh, I love their their approach to UI and how clean everything looks. I'm kind of loving the like UI in general. Yeah, our designer Flo did a great job on those docs. They're beautiful. It was like, I sent him a prototype that was really just a Google Doc with some boxes on it, and he turned it into this beautiful UI. And I was just like, wow, that was amazing. And he does it so quickly. He's great. Shout out to Flo. <laughs> yeah, shout out to designers just in general. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, though, um, I mentioned this in our show notes. Um, the last time Gatsby was on, Gatsby's just the third time Gatsby's actually had an episode on this podcast. So we had Kyle on first, Ooh. early, early days on G- Stack Radio, and then we had Jason on last uh, a couple years ago, and then now you're here, so sort of, sort of uh, <laughs> rounding out third. But um, I'm curious of what has changed in the last six months, uh, just Gatsby as a whole. So we have like new docs, but just curious about just any new changes that we could be on the lookout for. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of exciting, fun things. I can only talk about some of them. Some things are very exciting, but we're saving them to announce at GatsbyConf, which I guess I'll plug is coming up on March 2nd and 3rd. So it's totally remote, it's free. You can come and find out about all the fun things that people are building because um, the engineers will be able to talk in more detail about the specifics. But two things that I can sort of tease for you now that actually are available already, you can start using them if you update to the latest version of Gatsby. There's the file system routes API. So In the past, if you wanted to programmatically build pages, you had to have a Gatsby node file and you'd have to use the like create pages API and do a bunch of work yourself to generate pages. Like let's say that you had a bunch of markdown files for your blog and you wanted to create a new page for each blog. You'd have to write the code to generate those pages yourself. But now with this file system route API, you can just use the name of your file and it will do all of that for you. So if you want to pull out like all of your MDX posts by the slug, by like whatever the URL path would be, then you can just name your file like source slash pages slash use the curly brackets and then put like mdx.slug in the middle and it will automatically, it'll generate the GraphQL query for you, pull all of those nodes, build all the pages itself. And then you can just focus on like, okay, within that page template, now what do I want the contents to look like? So it makes your life a little bit easier. And there's also, you can do client-only routes with a similar syntax. Um, So if you wanted to have like pages that you can't build at build time, because if it's like user authentication or something like that, um, you can also use the routes API for that too. 
And I understand Gatsby from my understanding. Uh, I've been using it a lot for just statically generated stuff. So like I do a lot of stuff at build time. I've never done anything with authentication. So would you connect that to in like a serverless function? Or does Gatsby Cloud handle that for you? I don't actually know because I I myself have also only used it for static stuff. So that's that's one of the fun things about being like at Gatsby. Now I get to try out things that I wouldn't do on my own, like for my own personal website. Yeah. So I haven't gotten too into that yet, but I the way that I understand it, there's more use cases for things like authentication or things like e-commerce if you're doing stuff with that. But okay, yeah, they'll, they'll know more details at GatsbyConf, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and you've um, I know this because we actually met like quite a few months ago, actually. So you've been at Gatsby for six months at this point. Um, I started in September, so what is this? Maybe like five months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've learned a lot since then, but there's still a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, but your use cases, has it always been around like the Docs ecosystem? Because I know Gatsby, like when I talked about Gatsby uh, internally to my Docs team at GitHub, there's a lot of excitement around Gatsby because uh, like we're leveraging a lot of those tools internally at GitHub. I don't, I don't know how much of that stuff is public and how much of that we talk about, but I would say the Docs community, it's, they always tend to have excitement when it comes to managing statically generated pages for documentation. So is that where your, your background came from, really, uh, with Gatsby? Yeah, well, I, my background before I started working here, I really had only ever used it for my personal blog. Okay, That was like all the experience that I had. So it was really just like, wrote some markdown posts and needed to create a blog from that. Yeah, so I actually wanted to touch base on say your introductory to Gatsby, and I think we were we're chatting, and you'd mentioned you only use Gatsby prior for your personal blog. But I'm curious of what other use cases folks can sort of um, leverage Gatsby for. You mentioned e-commerce. Yeah, I know that um, the team is focusing now on like how do we make a better e-commerce experience for people. So I know that like some of our clients, I guess, some of our Gatsby Cloud users are big. Retail e-commerce yeah. sites that are trying to figure out like how do we move our products here? Um, how do we like pull in data from our CMS? And I think that's one of the cool things about Gatsby is because there's this GraphQL data layer that's built in. You can pull in data from anywhere as long as there's a source plugin yeah. that handles that integration for you. And then once the data is in the data layer, you can do whatever you want with it on the front end. Yeah, I, that's one thing I loved about Gatsby is the the plugin ecosystem because like things like Contentful, like I don't have to figure out how to like point like wires and cross them to make sure my Contentful data can show up on the page and mm. be nested in my GraphQL queries. And I chatted with Kyle about this like quite a few years ago because Kyle's background is from the Drupal uh, space, so that sort of approach to having a sort of hosted version versus having your self-hosted version versus using plugins. It's what I love about the Jamstack because a lot of stuff that we do in the Jamstack is not new. Like we're just basically borrowing from other ecosystems and previous encounters. And I know there's like popular uh, conversation between Matt Billman and Matt, other guy from uh, WordPress, <laughs> uh, Netlify, and WordPress guys, and sort of like them just basically having conversations in parallel. But really, at the end of it, they can agree that the technology's been the same. It's just now we're trying it with a new flavor, like. With JavaScript, but I did want to ask because you mentioned it, Gatsby Cloud. Uh, it's something that I have not really even paid much attention to. Like, how do you, what's that distinction between Gatsby Cloud and the open source version? Yeah, so they're sort of two separate entities. So Gatsby, the open source framework, is like the framework that you're using to build your websites, and then Gatsby Cloud is 
I'll start this out with a caveat that I'm not one of the salespeople, so I won't be able to give the best pitch. But yeah. what I understand at the moment is that Gatsby Cloud is our, it's how we help you build Gatsby sites quickly. So right now you can like set up your GitHub repo to connect to Gatsby Cloud so that when you push changes to your repo, it'll trigger a new build on Gatsby Cloud which then will give you, you know, like a build URL so that you can preview those changes before you send them wherever it is that you want to host them. Okay, excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking a uh, a try at uh, pitching that to us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think I kind of understand it. Understanding that, like, I kind of hinted at it with the this whole WordPress architecture where you have a hosted version, uh, you can actually get a, a site up and running really quickly. I think that's kind of game changing when it comes to like React applications. Because, like, one of the things I don't like about WordPress, like, WordPress is a fine ecosystem, it's architecture, or whatever. I just didn't learn development through it. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes to someone like my brother, sister, mother saying, I want you to help me with my WordPress site, I usually am just kind of like, I don't know where to even begin. And not that that's wrong or right. It's just I just don't know. But I do know JavaScript and I do know. How to work with Gatsby. So if I do have someone that approaches me that has something in Gatsby Cloud, I know I can at least understand what's going on in their repository. And that's the one thing I do like about that and other tools as well is that we're sort of cent- not centralizing, but like we're all in the Jamstack ecosystem. We're all sort of like figuring it out this together. So like we're all just kind of convinced that Git is the way to do source control, which I love because. I know how to use Git, and then all the other things. I just sort of like know how to do that, so I can move on. And if I don't want to use Gatsby, I can always use something else. But why? Why would I do that? But speaking of that, I wanted to ask: What are like ways for people to get started with Gatsby? So, like, you're like, if you were to start a new site today, like, what sort of steps would you go to? Where would you look to sort of get started? Yeah. So, as of this moment, the best place is probably our tutorial. If you go to our doc site, it's like gatsbyjs.com slash docs slash tutorial. And that walks you through how to create a new site from the ground up. It like starts at how do you install the dependencies? Like how do you get your machine set up to even be ready to start this project? And then it takes you through, you know, how do you build a new site? How do you add components? How do you style it? How do you work with the data layer? The one thing that I'll add about the tutorial right now is that it's a little bit outdated when it comes to the new Gatsby features. So like, it doesn't include the file system routes API yet. There's also um, the new Gatsby plugin image it doesn't include. But that's something that I have on my docket for a few months down the line is starting to work on updating, updating the tutorial so that it has the latest and greatest Gatsby features. But if you are... Looking for an intro to those, I am facilitating a workshop at GatsbyConf. It'll be on March 3rd. Obana from the developer relations team and I are co-running it. And it's called Getting Started with Gatsby. And so that'll be basically the test run of what we're going to put in the new tutorial, just to show okay. to show the same things of like how to build a site, how to add components, but using the newest, latest, greatest Gatsby features. Yeah, looking forward to that. And then looking forward to folks who uh, are listening, definitely check out GatsbyConf. And please go to Megan's workshop. You're going to learn a lot. And uh, I'm excited to, honestly, it's been a while since I updated any of my Gatsby sites, so I'm even out of date <laughs> today as well. Yeah, same. So am I. <laughs> so before we move into Jam Picks, I did want to ask real quick about the Gatsby plugin image and sort of what that is, because I think we sort of passed by it 
assuming that everybody knew what you were talking about, but do you, did you want to sort of explain that? Yeah, totally. So Gatsby plugin image is a new Gatsby plugin. It's in beta right now, but it's available and ready for people to test out. And it's the new version of the Gatsby image plugin. So there's, there's a lot of names that sound very similar, but the old one is Gatsby-image is the name of the plugin. And this new one is Gatsby-plugin-image. Gotcha. And it's been updated so that it's got an API that's a little bit easier to use and understand. And it also has better performance. So a couple of the, the like new things that you'll get if you switch to that plugin there's a new static image component. So now you can load images without needing to use GraphQL. So if you've got like, you know, your logo always has the same image that's loaded every single time that component is used, you can use this static image component. And then it looks very much like an image tag where you just like swap out the source URL. Okay. And then there's also a couple other things. There's like a new new layout formats. So like when you resize your screen, you can get different behaviors. And then there's also added support for AVIF, which I guess is the new fancy image compression format, something like that. <laughs> I believe you. I, I haven't kept up to date with all these different formats, but yeah, there's a um, yeah. I thought Web three was a new one, but yeah, not Web three. Web P. Oh yeah. But uh, that is another one too. Yep. If you're into compression algorithms and know the difference, let me know. <laughs> yeah, we should have. A, I'm making a note to myself. I should have Tessa on to talk about Cloudinary because I know she's a uh, just DevRel over there. Oh, cool. It's been quite a while since I had Cloudinary on as well. But we're going to move on and talk about Jampix. Uh, thanks for the conversation on Gatsby and catching us up with what's happening and even the Gatsby Com coming up. Uh, and also, super happy to see that y'all were able to ship the the new docs and. Also, ship new tutorials in the next couple months. We won't give you a, a date on that, but yeah, <laughs> we'll give you time to uh, to update that stuff. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, wanted to talk about jam picks. These are things that we're jamming on. Uh, things that get you going. Good music, food related, technology related. All is applicable for this section. But if you don't mind, I'll go first and talk about my picks. My first pick is Clubhouse. Now, this is a pick that I just recently got into. Have you heard of Clubhouse, Megan? I have. Clubhouse is also, in addition to the like tool that everybody on Twitter talks about, it's also the name of our the tool that Gatsby uses for like project management. So I oh, was really? very confused at first. Yeah, but it's like our Jira. So I was just like, why is everybody so excited about Clubhouse? <laughs> Turns out there's two of them. They're different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I this is definitely not about project management. It's more about these sort of hidden club for people to have. I guess podcast. <laughs> it's really weird. So, like the the platform, it's it's audio only, and you create these clubs, uh, like these rooms, basically, and people can join them, and you can talk about a subjects. So, like it's essentially like a. On the surface, it sounds really either dumb or bland or more gatekeeping, but <laughs> it is what you make it of it. So uh, I actually hosted a clubhouse last night on GitHub Actions, and I didn't know what I was doing, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to try this thing out. And now that I've hosted a clubhouse, because I've only just sort of sat in a room and listened, uh, hosting it, it's nice. I, I was able to sort of set a time in advance. So you have to set a time in advance, mm. so that way you can have a shareable link. And then you pick the subject, and then people show up. But then you have to remind people that it's actually starting. It's really weird. But you go back to Twitter for that. It is invite only at the moment, as you know, as you do in Silicon Valley with new apps. So there's like a bit of buzz because of that, because only people who have access can give access, which is part of the whole gatekeeping thing right now. I honestly did not 
know that tech people were sort of in the clubhouse until like the last couple of weeks. Uh, I originally got invited to clubhouse like back in December from one of the people I go to church with. So like I thought it was like, frankly, I thought it was a black person thing uh, because everybody I knew on Clubhouse happened to be people I knew in the black community. And all the rooms I went to were like talking about other stuff. And then like when the parlor thing happened or the the, mm. the January 6th uh, insurrection on the Capitol, like Clubhouse was like, that's where I, I found my people and we, we had a conversation. So then... Last week, people were talking about Clubhouse who like are in tech, and I was like, "Oh, I guess this is expanded." But actually, it turned out it's always been for tech people. I just never paid attention until recently. Oh, funny. Um, so anyway, uh, I saw people were hosting Clubhouses, mainly Natter Dabit, who does AWS. He's a DevRel over there. He hosted a Clubhouse. I was like, "Oh, I should try this out." So I did it. It was a great experience. It was almost like having a sort of like um, at conferences. Like sometimes you have unconference rooms, mm. or people can sort of write on the wall <laughs> and have a talk. And then be able to sort of just give them thirty minutes to do the talk uh, or whatever they want to do. So that that was the, the filling, and then I could invite other people. So Nana was actually in my room. I invited him up to the stage, and he was able to unmute and talk. And then I could kick him back back into the, the regular people's um, <laughs> area. So it was it was a very interesting experience. I don't know if it's going to last very long, but if you can get an invite, uh, definitely try it out at least once. And then I would also say that there's other ways you could have conversations. I think Twitter is doing something like this as well and Discord has chat and all this other stuff. But I just really like being connected to the people during this time. So shout out to Clubhouse. Try it out before it goes away. And then my second pick is going to be Open Source Friday, which is a thing that we met on, which is GitHub hosts these Twitch streams on Fridays. Um, we're actually starting them back tonight is the first time. We're doing a Australian version. When I say tonight, you're listening to this podcast, and it could be any time of the day. But tonight, when we're recording this, I'll be doing one later today. I'm going to be teaching my coworker how to build Twitch integrations that talk to GitHub. Your GitHub repos and Ooh. kind of a it's a, a tool I built called Git Twitch. Uh, there's a repo bdougie slash Git Twitch, so you can definitely check it out. But essentially, you can star a repo or do something on a repo, and you get a notification on the screen on Twitch as you're streaming. So those are my picks. You can check out uh, Megan and I's video on YouTube.com/slash/GitHub. Uh, we have a playlist, and one of the last ones we did was uh, with Gatsby and Megan. So that was long-winded. Yay. Megan, do you have any picks for us? Yeah, so something that I have been really enjoying over the last couple of weeks, Aisha Blake, who I used to work with when she was at Gatsby, has a new Twitch stream, or I guess she's like revived her Twitch stream every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. She talks about tech education and she has like different guests on. I I was a guest on one episode, uh, but I really love hearing people talk about talk about education like i could listen to people talk about you know how they teach people things and how they break down complicated ideas forever if the world would let me <laughs> but she's had some really cool guests on and she's lovely and it's a good time and i think especially now that it's covid times i am getting more into watching streams because it's that sort of organic like less structured conversation where you can just feel like you're hanging out and having a good time. So it's a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, I am a big fan of it. I, I love it. So I started doing it a year ago uh, for my personal Twitch, and it was really because I do DevRel. And depending on what team you're on, you don't ship a lot of code that stays around a long time. 
So I wanted to build a project that I could just be happy with. I could learn how to do modern day testing and all these new tools, but not like sort of slow down my day job. So I started live streaming Twitch back in January, not realizing the entire world we'd just be home. So <laughs> I stopped traveling and then I just had all this extra time to do a Twitch stream. So that's sort of how I got into it. And I've enjoyed it because I built a kind of a group of friends that show up and hang out with me while I, I live stream and they just like show up like clockwork every time I hit live, which is uh it's a lot of fun. Actually you'll have to give me the link to Aisha's um I don't know if she uses the same Twitch account as her Twitter. Um yeah it's twitch.tv slash Aisha codes. So A I S H A C O D E S. Okay, perfect. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that makes it in the show notes. And um, thanks for your picks. Thanks for the conversation about Gatsby. Uh, it was super enlightening uh, and just learning about what's changed, but also your role uh, in the Docs team and sort of pushing Docs forward. So appreciate the time. And listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 